But I'm so humbled and, and honored to be back again this year to, to share in front of my home church. There's not a higher honor than, that I can have to be able to come and share with you at my home church. Now, if you've been with us the, the past few months, you'll know that Blake has been leading us through the Gospel of John. And I'm going to tell you, the reason I love this gospel is that it reads much differently than the other gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You see, if you read those gospels, those are called the, those are called the synoptic gospels. And really, the main difference between the synoptic gospels and John's gospel is that the synoptic gospels offer a slightly different take on the same story. While John's gospel was written much later than the other three, and it really focuses on the divinity of Jesus. So I love this gospel and the insight that is given on the life of Jesus and the salvation that only comes through him. But today we come to verses 24 through 30 of the fifth chapter of John. And just to kind of give you a little insight on, on what's going on here, Jesus is having a conversation with in Jerusalem with the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders are getting real offended. They're getting real upset because Jesus has referred to God as his own father. And the way they took this to, to understand, the way they took this to mean was that he was making himself out equal to God. And that's exactly what he was explaining. And you see, this is critical for us to understand in our lives because we understand that salvation comes through the Son. And if Jesus wasn't equal with God, if Jesus wasn't God's own Son, then this salvation that we're talking about wouldn't be made possible. So if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 5, we're going to start in verses 24 Read down through verse 30, and I always like to honor the reading of God's word by standing. So if you could, would you please stand with me as I read this passage of scripture? It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who, who, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together as a corporate body to worship. Lord, I just pray at this time that our hearts would be focused on what it is you're trying to tell us today. Lord, speak to our hearts, soften our hearts, and I pray your Holy Spirit moves in this room today. Father, we love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, when I read this passage of Scripture, there are three key themes that stick out to me. All right, those three themes are life, death, and judgment. Okay, I want you to notice in verse 25 where it says that those who hear the voice of the Son of God will what? Come on, we got, we got to wake you back up. Will live, right. Those who hear the voice of the Son of God will live. Go down to verse 29, we see where it says that those who have done evil will go to the resurrection of what? Judgment. 
We'll go to the resurrection of judgment. So we see life in verse 25, and we see judgment in verse 29, and the resurrection of judgment means what? Death. So we see these three key, these three key themes stick out, life, death, and ju- judgment. You know, I've always enjoyed looking at statistics. I don't like doing statistics. Statistics is what kept me in college for five years instead of four years. So... <laughs> I don't really like doing statistics, but I enjoy looking at them. And I wanna share an easy statistic with you. It's easy because it has easy numbers and it's, it's just an easy statistic and it's been proven. Well, here it is, okay? One out of every one dies. How about that statistic? If they were that easy in college, I'd have one year of seminary under my belt already. But they weren't, and I'm here, and I'm grateful for it. So <laughs> statistics prove that. One out of every one dies. It has, it has been proven. At some point, every person in this room is going to die. As a matter of fact, we are all in a state of death right now. We are all currently in the process of dying. So my question for you this morning is, are you prepared? Are you ready? You know, there are a lot of things that we do to prepare and get ready for our death. You know, there are many of us who have, who have taken out life insurance. You know, we want our, our families to, to be prepared for a tragedy that might occur in our lives. So we've taken out life insurance to kind of help prepare our families for a tragedy that might occur in our life because we want them to kind of maintain that same standard of living that they're living now. So we've taken out life insurance. You know, there's many of us who, some of us, who have our funeral arrangements said already. You know, we, we have the songs we want to be sung. We have the scriptures we want to be read. We got the preachers we want to be preaching. We have made these preparations for our funeral. I mean, there's some people who even pick out what's going to be written on their tombstones. You know, I couldn't help when I was preparing for this message a few weeks ago to kind of look up some funny examples of some things that have been written on people's tombstones. And I just kind of want to share a few of them with you. I, I, I was looking at this one lady's tombstone. You know, it had her name on the front, her birth date, and her death date. And on the back of it, it was in quotations that said, I told you I was sick. You know, I just, <laughs> I thought that was great. I love that one. You know, in the back, on the back of Mel Blanc's tombstone, you know, the famous voice of Bugs Bunny. His is in quotation re, re, uh, written. That's all, folks. You know, I, I saw another one that said, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. Not exactly true, but interesting. I saw another one that said, at least I'm not in Texas. You know, I started thinking about that. I didn't really know what that meant, and it became a lot funnier to me when I read on and found out that her husband was buried in Texas. So... <laughs> Not, uh, not too sure what was going on there, but hey, at least she's not in Texas. So, But you see, there are, we'll also spend time getting our wills together, right? We'll decide who's going to get this, who's going to get that, who's going to get this part, who's going to get that part. So we'll go through all these preparations in terms of what's going to happen to our stuff, but oftentimes we put very little thought into what's going to happen to our souls. You see, what we need to understand is that one day we're all gonna stand before God. And when we are truly saved and we understand that the only way we can have salvation is through Jesus Christ, we're never condemned to die. 
As a matter of fact, we are declared righteous and given eternal life. And what that means is we pass from a a state of death to a state of life. We pass from a state of condemnation to a state of justification. You see, Jesus was equal with God as his control over the whole judicial process. You know, most think that God will will judge the world, but it says in verse 27 that, that he has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And what this is is a picture of of a supreme court. You know, not the supreme court of a nation, but the supreme court of the universe presided over by Jesus Christ. You see, there are three lessons that I believe we can take from this passage of Scripture and three lessons that will really help us understand the importance of, of following Christ. First off, we need to know what to believe. Need to know what to believe. In verse 25 of this passage of Scripture, it tells us that a time is coming, an hour is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. But here's the issue we don't have any idea when that's going to be. We don't know the day and we don't know the time when we will stand before God. So, my question for you is are you ready? Are you prepared? But somehow, some way, we've convinced ourselves that we have plenty of time. We've convinced ourselves that that we got plenty of time. You know, we'll say, oh, I'll push it off for a little bit. You know, I enjoy the things I'm doing now. I enjoy the life that I'm living right now. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna push it off a little bit. You know, and then we'll we'll push it off. We'll say, you know, I'll wait till I graduate college. I'll wait till I get married. I'll, I'll wait till I have kids. And we just push it off and push it off. Or I love this one. I gotta get my life together before I come to Jesus first. I'm going to be honest with you. We're not ever going to get our lives together until we accept Christ as Lord and allow him to walk alongside of us and lead, guide, and direct every part of our life. We're not ever going to be able to do that on our own. So we convince ourselves that we have plenty of time. This is the only day that we have been promised. We hadn't been promised next year. We hadn't been promised next month. We hadn't been promised next week. We hadn't even been promised tomorrow. We have been promised this day. So we must be prepared to meet God. We have to make those preparations here on this earth. A dirty, filthy sinner can never enter the kingdom of God. Something has to be done. We have to prepare to meet him. And I'm going to tell you an amazing thing happens. The moment we place our trust and give our hearts to Christ, we get to experience eternal life right then. You know, many people think that eternal life happens when you die. Eternal life happens the moment you place your trust in Christ Jesus. You know, I think about the encounter that that Jesus had with Martha on the road coming into Bethany following the death of her brother Lazarus. Remember, Martha met Jesus, and she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And you remember, Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he's going to rise on the resurrection. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me and dies, yet he shall live. And he who believes in me and lives will never die. Martha, do you believe this? You see, those are words of hope that Jesus gives right there because what he's saying is, if you live, there's hope. If you die, there's still hope. As a matter of fact, John even said, this is eternal, eternal life to know the Son. Death just simply opens the door to experience eternity with God. But it starts in this life. In John chapter 14, just a few chapters over, turn to that passage of Scripture. 
A few chapters over when Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. Listen to that right there. If you have a pen, circle that in your Bibles. I go and prepare a place for you. Heaven is not a state of mind. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a prepared place. Heaven is a place that has been prepared for you and for me by Almighty God through his son, Jesus Christ. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. It says, I go and prepare a place for you when I come back. I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Thomas, one of the disciples, said, Lord, we don't know where we're going. How in the world will we know the way? And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. We need to understand, we don't get to heaven by living a clean life. We don't get to heaven by, by attending church. We don't get to heaven by supporting mission work. We don't get to heaven by putting a little bit of money in the offering plate when it comes around. We get to heaven through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way we get there. This world will tell you that all roads lead to heaven. And I'm going to tell you that's a lie straight from hell. When Jesus says right here, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through me. Church, we need to understand that there are two places of final destination this morning. You know, we've talked about heaven. We've talked about a place that's been prepared for us through Jesus Christ. But there's hell for those who have rejected the love of God. Ooh, that's a topic we don't like to hear about in our churches today, do we? It's not a topic we want to hear about in our churches. But I'm going to tell you something. If you believe in heaven, you better believe in hell because it is just as real. You know, as Jesus is preaching the greatest sermon that's ever been recorded, the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of that message, he says this. He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name you know, cast out many demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I'll say to them on that day, depart from me, for I never knew you. You know, several years ago, me and a few of my friends were traveling for spring break. And we had to fly into Los Angeles to get to our final destination. So we get on the airplane, we take off, everything's fine. We get, we get around the, the California area and we start descending. And you know how the, the pilot comes on and says, you know, we're about 30 minutes away from, from landing, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, he came on and he said, uh, he said, thank you for flying with us today. You know how they do. Thank you for flying with us today. We'll be departing into San Francisco in about 30 minutes. We all started looking around. You see, that airplane was supposed to go to Los Angeles, not San Francisco. So we all start looking around saying, hold on. Did we, did we get on the right airplane? Everybody had that same thought, oh, we got on the wrong plane. But you see, there had been a miscommunication that went on somewhere. It wasn't with us. We got on the right airplane. But there was a miscommunication that went on somewhere where we thought that we were going to Los Angeles. We ended up at a different place. See, that's kind of what Jesus is explaining right here. You see, we're not going to be able to stand before God and say, look what all I've done. Look at all the good in my life. That's not going to cut it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, it tells us for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is, it is not from your own doing. It is the gift of God, 
not by works so that no one can boast. There is nothing that we can do to earn our way into heaven. There are not enough mission trips we can go on. There's not enough money we can put in the offering plate on Sunday mornings to outweigh the cost of what Jesus already did for us on the cross. There is nothing we can do to earn our way into heaven. It is simply by grace, getting what we don't deserve. See, God is love, but he's also a God of justice. And I know what you may be thinking. Man, Heath, you're just kind of giving us the bad news today. I got good news. Just hang tight. You know, sometimes you got to deliver a little bit of bad news before you can come in with the good news. But I got good news for you. And this brings me to my second point of why we need to believe. And here's why. God desires you to be with him in heaven. God desires to have a relationship with you. I mean, even though we turn our back on him, we spit in his face, we sin against him every single day. He loved us so much, he came to this earth and lived the life that we all should live and died the death that we all deserve just to give us an opportunity to stand before the Father righteous. Mm. Have you ever thought about what it's gonna be like to stand before God? Yeah, I love that passage of scripture in Revelation. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and there was no longer any sea. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven as a bride beautifully adorned for her husband. Then I heard a voice from the throne saying, the dwelling of God is with men and they will be his people and he himself will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eye. You know, I was having a, a, a moment with one of the preschoolers during VBS. One of them kind of got upset and kind of came up to me and, she, and a tear started coming down her cheek. And I just kind of reached up there and I wiped that tear away and I thought to myself, you know, there's gonna be a day that is coming in my life when I will stand before the Father and a tear will start coming down my cheek and he will not delegate that duty to an angel nor a disciple nor an apostle. He will wipe away every tear from my eye. He will wipe away every tear from my eye and there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more cancer, there will be no more heart attacks, there will be no more MS for the old order of things have passed away and God is making all things new. You know, I think one of the greatest new age Christian songs today is Mercy Me's song, I Can Only Imagine. Now, I'm not Jack, so I'm not gonna break out in song in the middle of my sermon up here. But I love the chorus of that song where it says, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still, will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. What a day that's gonna be, amen? Say that again. Okay, that's a little better. You see, where we can only imagine what it's going to be like to stand before God, we don't have to imagine whether or not we're going to get there. Because today, we can have the assurance of our salvation. 
today. We can have the assurance that one day we will be crowned with a crown of righteousness and hear the words that we should all long to hear at the very end of our life. And it's the word from our Father saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter now into the joy of thy master. But to be able to have that assurance, first thing you have to do is acknowledge your sin. Our sin is what separates us from God. Our sin is what crucified our Lord. So we have to acknowledge our sin. The next thing we have to do is believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he is equal with God, that he is the son of God, that he, that he came and, and he did for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. He lived the life, he died, he was buried, he resurrected on the third day, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession in our lives for you and for me. Next, you must have to live a life of commitment and service. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Oh, you know, I'm a Christian. This doesn't pertain to me. I'm just going to kind of slouch down in my seat a little bit. This doesn't really pertain to me. Uh Uh-uh. Perk back up. There's obligation for you as well. All right, you ready for it? We are mandated and commanded by God to go out into the world and faithfully proclaim the word of God. We are commanded by God to do that. Now, that may look different for some of us. That may mean, you know, sharing the gospel with your children. That may, may, may be, you know, sharing the gospel with your grandchildren, your, your friends, your coworkers, the people that you see on a daily basis. But we are commanded by God to go out into the world and faithfully proclaim his word, to carry out the great commission in our lives. I want you to just imagine this with me. Okay, it's college football season. We, we, we get ready to sit down in our chair to watch our football game. We got us a plate of food, glass of sweet tea, because we're Southern Baptist. And um, the game's about to start, and we look down next to us, and there's a box. And on that box is written, The Cure to Cancer. Intrigued, so we open that box, and inside of it, there's a note. And it says, this is the cure to cancer. Don't worry about keeping it for yourself. There's enough in here for the whole world to never have to suffer from this anymore. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm taking that right there and I'm going straight to the children's hospital. All the kids who are suffering with this terrible disease, I'm taking it straight to them. I'm telling family members, I'm telling friends, I'm telling doctors, I'm getting this on the news saying, hey, I've got the cure to cancer. This is great news. I have the power to save people's lives with this cure right here. Nobody ever has to go through this ever again. You see, where the cure to cancer has the power to save somebody's life, this has the power to give somebody life. This has the power to give life. But we're not telling anybody about this. Because we're too worried about getting made fun of. We're too worried about getting laughed at. We're too worried about getting persecuted for, for, for believing in, in Christ, for professing him as Lord and Savior of our life, for taking this out into the world. We're too worried about what people are going to say about us. But we have been commanded by God to take this out into the world, to a lost and broken world, and share about the love and the saving power of Jesus Christ. You know, after understanding what it is that you need to believe and why you need to believe it, the next question you need to ask is, well, when do I need to believe it? My grandparents live out on a farm in Bullock County. 
And for many years, they have leased out the pasture land to cow, to, cow, to a cattle farmer up the road named Mr. Sims. And every year he comes in and he puts about 30 or 40 cows on, on their land. And in the middle of one of the biggest pastures, there's a, there's a feeding trough. And every morning about 6.30, Mr. Sims will drive up the road, he'll go through the gate, and he'll drive straight to that feeding trough. Now when he gets there, he'll turn off his truck, he'll get out of the car, and I swear to you, he makes the most gaudy noise I have ever heard in my entire life. But as soon as he makes that noise, guess what happens? You can start hearing the branches break of those cows coming out of those woods to his voice. They know when they hear that voice that it's time to eat. They know there's a feast waiting for them. Now, I've gone out there with them before, and I'll try to make a noise, and I don't hear the first branch break. I don't know what it is about my voice, but they don't come to my voice. But they know the voice of their master. And when they hear it, they come running. See, in verse 24 of this passage of Scripture, it says, whoever believes him who sent me, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. You know, those cows know the voice of their master. And when the master calls, they come running. I want you to think that the master, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords is calling your name today. And we have to decide whether or not we're going to stay in the wood line where it's comfortable or we're going to step out in faith. Because I can assure you, the feast that God has waiting on us is a lot better than that cow feed that's waiting for those cows. You know, I want to speak a word to you. Then I'll be done. I want to speak a word to you, and I want to make sure you hear me. Okay? God has set a date for your salvation. God has set a date for your salvation. I know some of you are shocked to hear me say that, but He has. He set a date for your salvation. If I prove it, will you believe it? It says, behold, today is the day of your salvation. If you harden not your heart. You see, God has set aside this day. And if you turn to him, you'll be his and you'll experience life everlasting. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to gather together and just worship. Lord, we thank you that where we are in a state of death right now, we are in a state of condemnation right now, Father, that you have provided us a way that we may have life. Lord, we don't deserve this. There's nothing we can do to earn this but you give us this opportunity freely simply because you love us. Lord, I pray for this time right now as we're about to go into uh, the Lord's Supper.
Father, I pray that, uh, I pray that, that, that we can reflect and, and, and remember what this is all about. Lord, we can remember the, the sacrifice, the blood, the body that was, that was laid out for us. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity that, that we have to gather together and praise your holy name. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.